we think of Memorial Day and we think about all the, the men and women and boys and girls who have given their lives for our country and it's certainly something we need to remember and a, a sacrifice that uh, we didn't have to pay but someone else paid that we might have freedom. But you know there's someone else who also made sacrifices that we might have freedom and that's many, many believers who were martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we need to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength, with all I am, I will see Yeah. 
commitment, that dedication and pledge of allegiance. If, I, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, the title of the message that I want to share with you this morning on Memorial Day, <coughs> excuse me, is do this in remembrance of me. Now I know you're thinking I misquoted that on the front of the table down there. You can read it. It, uh, it actually says, this do in remembrance of me. But uh, I just kind of put it a little more modern day English. Instead of this do in remembrance of me, do this in remembrance of me. And what is it that we are to do in remembrance of the Lord? Well, of course, Memorial Day uh, began back in the early 1800s during the Civil War. Uh, it began by decorating the graves of soldiers that had died and given their lives in battle. Uh, and it was an honor to them for us to decorate those graves in uh, the remembrance of the sacrifice that, that they gave for our freedom. When you see life, you know, like we are enjoying it now, as we do, uh, I, I wonder who's going to remember and how will they remember us? You know, ha have we lived a life of sacrifice the way that the men, women, boys, and girls in the wars that fought and died and shed their blood for our freedoms here? Well, uh, I've got two grandchildren sitting on the front seat there. I, uh, I went to see my oldest grandson graduate uh, this past weekend. 
And uh, boy, what a pleasure that was. <clears throat> we were in the nosebleed section up in a stadium, couldn't hardly see down there on the on the field, but uh, I could zoom in on him with my camera, amen, and I could I could see the smile on his face and the excitement that uh, that he was feeling while he he went through that. I'll remember that for a long time, amen. I have memories that I'm looking forward to with these two as well as as a couple of other grandkids, and I don't know who knows, maybe we'll have some more. But what are what are they going to remember about us when uh, when we leave this world? Boy, I think about all of the fallen heroes that have gone overseas, as Paul mentioned a while ago. Boy, they went over and fought the fight. They they lived the life and died the death, so that we didn't have to, so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have here in this world. Uh, of course, we think about. All of the martyrs that Paul also mentioned, now, Christian martyrs that shed their blood, that we might live in a country not only physically free because of our military, but that is spiritually free because of the, the foundation that was laid by those that went before us. What kind of foundation are you laying? What kind of foundation am I laying? for uh, our families, for our grandkids, our children, and the people that love us and know us when we leave here. I want to give you three things in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, that uh, I pray people will do in remembrance of Christ. Uh, you know, this do, and we're going to be taking, partaking of the Lord's Supper here after the uh, message and uh, we're, that's what the title on the table down there is talking about when it says, This do in remembrance of me. It's talking about the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the remembrance that we make of that when we receive the, the juice and the bread, the unleavened bread, the grape juice that represents the body and the blood. But listen, is that all that we should do in remembrance of what He did for us, oh no, no, no! I think that we should live a life that uh, screams back to heaven, God. I'm living this life for Your glory and Your honor because I remember who it is that You are and what it is that You did for me. Now, you look at chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians and beginning in verse 23, it says this: For I have received of the Lord that which also. I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in My blood. This do as oft as ye drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you again just for the reading of your word. Thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house on this day that we call Memorial Day to memorialize all of those heroes of the past, uh, whether they be in military or whether they be in your army as Christians that have shed their blood and lost their lives, God, that we might enjoy 
the freedoms that we have here today. But God, we also want to remember exactly what it is that You did for us. God, You gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed Your blood and died for us. But You not only died for our salvation, God, You rose again for our justification. And we want to give You the praise and the glory that You and You alone are worthy of. Forgive us for our sin. Help us where we're weak. We'll praise You for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you look back at that first verse, 23, and I love the the sentence that it starts out with, for I have received of the Lord that which uh, also I delivered unto you. Now, certainly one of the things that we should remember is the gospel that was delivered unto us. It was because of God giving up heaven, putting on flesh, becoming a man, going to the cross, shedding his blood and dying for our sins, raising again from the dead. That is the gospel. That is the good news. But look at what it said in that first part. It says, for I have received of the Lord. And then it says, that which I also delivered unto you. Let me ask you a question. Are you delivering the gospel? Are you sharing it? We're the lost and dying world. Now I know we live in America and there's more Bibles in America than I believe there are probably collectively in the rest of the world. But a lot of them are sitting on shelves and coffee tables and end tables and bedside tables collecting dust rather than being used for the glory and honor of God. And may I say that it's not only just the Bible that is sitting on those shelves and tables But it's the Word of God that is hidden in my heart. Uh, Hide the Word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God. Oh, and not only that you might not sin against God, but that you might not sin against God by failing to share the Word of God that has been shared with us. You see, we should remember the gift that God has given us, not only in His shed blood, the death, burial, and the resurrection, but the Word of God that is in our hands. Do you know what a privilege and an honor It is, Fred. There are people around the world that would literally lay down their lives just to have a complete copy of this book. There are people who take, they have have taken pages and torn them out and hid them so that they wouldn't die by being caught with it just so they could have a little portion of the Word of God in their possession. And yet we take things for granted here in America and we forget how precious The Word of God is. How precious the blood of Christ is. How precious the life that He lived on our behalf. Because I I tell you, it it takes sinless perfection for us to get to heaven. And I don't know about... Well, I do. I know about you. You're not sinlessly perfect. And neither am I. But Jesus Christ lived that sinless perfect life for us. It's not that He just went to the cross and shed His blood and died and rose again. For me, but that he, before he shed his blood and died, he lived for me. He lived the life that it took for me to go to heaven that I could not live for myself and by myself. So I want to give you some things in these verses, three things actually, that I pray that people will do and have in remembrance of Christ. Oh, and by the way, you know, I think I would like these same things to be remembered about me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave this world one day. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot longer. I remember my first 20 and my second 20, and now I've finished my third 20. 
And uh, I think I may have a 20 left in there somewhere. But uh, certainly not much after that, if the Lord wills. But I won't be here a lot longer. Uh, I believe those two young people sitting on that front pew, you know, they're going to be here a lot longer, I hope and pray, than I will be. And I hope that they'll remember some things about me that I'm talking about we should remember about Christ. See, He, he is the one that we should imitate. He is the one that we should uh, have a desire to be like. That other people looking at us might not see us, but when they look at us, they see Him. How do they do that? By the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You look at me and you don't see me. You see Christ when you see the fruit of the Spirit. But there are some things in these verses that we should have uh, that would remind those young people in our lives of who we used to be once we're gone. Number one, uh, that they remember faith. You know, I don't believe there was anybody that had more faith. And by the way, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. Now, I'm not talking about faithfulness. We're going to get into that in a minute. But right now, I'm just talking about saving faith. What is saving faith? Faith is Faith is faith, right? No, faith is not faith. Faith is faith until it comes to saving faith. And what separates saving faith from every other kind or type of faith in the world is the object of that faith. You can put faith in a jumbo jet airliner that it'll get you 3,000 miles across this country. And it very well may, but it will not get you to heaven. So saving faith is when you have faith in the right object. And the right object, of course, is in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will your kids, your grandkids, your family remember you for that faith? The commitment, the dedication, the surrender of your heart and your life and everything that you are to everything that He is. Will they be able to say, He or she taught me how to have confidence. Not in myself. You see, that's, that's worldly success. We can climb the ladder of success in this world and have a lot of money and a lot of stuff, big houses and fine things. And, and a lot of people are teaching their children that that is what success is all about. And that you've got to have confidence in yourself and your skills and your ability and all of those things to push yourself to the front of the line to be able to be successful in this world. Boy, isn't it an amazing thing that the Bible teaches us just the opposite. Those that will be first shall be last and those that are last shall be first. That we as Christians should put our confidence not in ourselves, but that we as Christians should put our confidence in God and put our faith and our trust in everything that we are in Him. And then He will, you know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I would like for it to just stop right there because that's really the only important thing is having our faith and trust and confidence in God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But it does go on to say, and all these things shall be added unto you. What I found out is that you cannot outgive God. That when you give Him your heart, when you give Him your life, when you give Him everything that you are, that God will never allow you to really truly outgive Him. 
the blessings of God are on those who are a blessing to God and who love Him and surrender their lives to Him. We put our confidence in God and not in self. We have to have faith. But it's not just just a, an ordinary faith. It has to be a fervent faith. What does Acts chapter 18, 25 says? It talks about Apollos being and having a fervent spirit. Now, if you know anything about Apollos, he was an eloquent speaker, but he didn't know the Word of God very well. He knew the Old Testament the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books of the Bible, the books of law, the books of Moses. But when it came to some of the things of the New Testament, uh, he didn't. And Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and expounded to him more perfectly the things of God. But my friend, listen, just because we don't know everything there is to know about all of the doctrinal issues of the Word of God does not mean that we cannot have a fervent faith. That means a red, hot, burning, passionate love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are willing to burn the candle at both ends and in the middle if we have to, to bring glory and honor to God with our lives. It's not only a fervent faith, but Paul in, in uh, chapter 12 of Romans, in verse 11, Paul commands us to be fervent in spirit. You see, it's, uh, I understand the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me. How much more fervent can you get than having the Holy Spirit, God Himself, living on the inside of us? Yes, but does that Spirit of Christ living on the inside of you, uniting itself together with our Spirit, does it make your Spirit just want to scream for joy, to scream the praises of God to the world around us? James chapter 5 and verse 6, the last part of it, says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, I tell people all the time, I don't have time to, uh, to be indulging in the things of the world. Of course, all of us do to some degree. But the Bible says that a soldier of God doesn't entangle himself with the things of the flesh anymore. And again, some of us, uh, we all do some more than others, but I don't have time to do that because I have so many people in my life depending on me. Do you? I, I bet you do. I bet you've got mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, wives, children, grandchildren. You've got all of these people in your life that are depending on your prayer life. Do you know the Bible says, well, we know that God heareth not the prayer of sinners. Sinners. Well, if God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners, who does He hear? Because all of us sin. Well, the Bible says, He that is sealed with the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption sinneth not. That means we get dirty on the outside. We sin. But aren't you thankful that that sin doesn't get to the inside? It doesn't settle in our hearts and in our souls and in our lives. And if I'm busy with the things of the flesh and the things of the world, when I should be praying for my grandchildren, for my family, for my church, for the prison ministry, for all of these things, then we know if I have unconfessed, unrepented of sin in my life, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't hear me. Just like He doesn't hear a lost person that is bound by sin. The first prayer God hears from a lost person is, God, I'm lost. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Save my soul. I'll live my life for you, God. 
If you'll just forgive me for the life that I've lived in the past, I'll live from now on for your glory and your honor. Do you know that a a saved person that has unconfessed and unrepented sin in his life, God, the first prayer that he hears from a saved person that has unconfessed, unrepented of sin is very similar to that of a lost person. God, I have sin in my life and I know that you will not hear me until I first confess and repent and get my heart and my life right with you. I need to be fervent in love with you, passionate about my life for Christ. Listen, do you want your children, your grandchildren, to remember you as having a fervent faith, a passionate faith for the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's not only a faith for the Lord Jesus Christ, but I hope that they will will be faithful and that they will remember my faithfulness, that they will remember ultimately the faithfulness of Christ. Oh, I know. You you remember Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. It says this, Most people will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You see, everybody likes to look at themselves in the mirror and see this person that they believe in their heart and in their minds. I'm good. I'm okay. Me and God are all right. But then it goes on to say, who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? Well, I'd like to think that I'm faithful. But I know the guy in the Bible who he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Lord, I know that I am faithful to it. I also need help, God, in my lack of faithfulness. I fail. I stumble. I fall short in times. But you see, we've got to put forth the effort, knowing that we're going to stumble, knowing that we're going to fail, but not making provisions for the flesh. That's what the Bible says, is even though I know that I'm a man, I know that I'm flesh, I know that I have faith in God, I know that I'm saved, and when I die, I'm going to make it to a place called heaven, but until I get there, Lord, I want I want to be faithful to You. God, where I am unfaithful, I pray, O oh God, that You'll move in my heart in conviction, that You'll illuminate and help me to see those areas in my life. But a faithful man who can find. You see, that takes commitment. What will your kids find you committed to? Mom? Dad? Will you be remembered as being committed to providing a a good, stable home and family environment? Or are you going to be remembered as a good provider for your children when you're gone? Well, praise the Lord. For that, you're going to be provided. You're going to be remembered for providing uh, a good, stable home life, being a homemaker for your kids, mom. That, that's good. But listen, are, are your children, are your grandchildren, going to remember you as being a provider of the Word of God, being a provider of an example of what Christ with the skin on it? You see the gospel with skin on it. People look at you and they don't see you, but they see this. They see God. And they'll remember that in your life. That's what Christ was. Christ was the gospel with skin on it here in this world. And again, He is our example. He is what we should be striving 
to be like. But so many of us, even inside of Christianity, we look at the world and we think that that is success. So we've got to be successful on the standard that the world is. My friend, listen, we need to remember that uh, in order to be first, we've got to be last. Those that are first, one day shall be last when they are first in the things of the flesh, in the things of this world. Well, it's not only commitment, but it's consistency. In 1 Corinthians 15.58 it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'll guarantee you when you die and you look back at this life, the thought that you will have is, boy, I wish I'd have worked a little harder and made a little more money. That's not going to be what you remember. That is not going to be what your children and your family remembers either. What it is that your children and family is going to remember and what you're going to think once you cross over to the other side is, boy, I wish I'd have done, spent a little more time in the Word of God. I wish I'd have spent a little more time in holiness and sharing that Word of God with my family that they might see Him in me and be drawn to them. I wish that I would have shared the Gospel with those that I know. Boy, they're, they're not ready. They're not ready for what just happened to me. You know, I've crossed over and I'm in heaven and praise God, but boy, I look back and I think about the life that I lived and the people that I left behind and I left some of them in a woeful condition. Would to God that I would have spent a little more time sharing my faith with them consistently. Well, it's a commitment, it's a consistency, and it is a Christ-likeness. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 says this, For me to live is... Only you can answer that. I know what the Scripture says. I know what the Bible says. But what does your life say? What is it that is really going on inside of your heart, in your home, in your family, in your mind, in who you are? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or for me to live is materialism, the world, enjoyment, entertainment, money, flesh, things. And for me to die is a horrible thought. I, I don't want to think about giving up this world and this life and the things that I love. Even the people that I love. But my friend, one day you will. You will step out of this shell, out of this life, out of this body, and you will step into the next world and you'll give an account of who you are. Will you have faith? Will you be counted faithful? And then, will we leave a legacy? What legacy? Well, I love the legacy that Christ uh, left behind. Every every deed, every act. There, there's not a sin in his life. Of course, he was God in the flesh. He gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man. He did that for me. Uh, I pray and hope that he did it for you, and that you know that you know him. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And if we keep his commandments, then we are building a legacy that we will leave behind to those that love us and that will remember us. Remember, this is Memorial Day. 
And what we're talking about is leaving behind a memorial, leaving behind a legacy. First of all, a legacy of love. 1 Corinthians 13.13 says this, Charity is the greatest of all. And of course we know faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and charity. And charity is the greatest of all of these. Are we leaving behind a legacy of love? Well, you are, whether you know it or not. But what it is that you love is the question. Are you in love with the flesh, the things of this world, and and you don't want to let them go? Or are you in love with the Lord Jesus Christ with every inch, every fiber of your being? And can other people see that? You see, you'll tell yourself it's so easy for us to deceive ourselves. You know, I'm an old con and it's hard to con a con. Uh, You can't hardly do it, but I'll tell you who can con me, and that's me. Because I know what I want to hear. And I can tell myself the things that I, I believe that are good about me when I know that they probably aren't true. But my friend, what we want to do is make sure that those who love us can see the love of Christ in us before we leave this world where your kids remember that you loved them because you bought their loved love or or because you earned their love and that they see how much you loved them because of the things that you shared with them it's not about money it's, it's not about uh, things see the things i want to instill in these two kids they're sitting here on the front pew seeing their grandfather standing behind a pulpit talking about the love of jesus christ and I want you to realize that that's the most important thing in this world. Uh, who you are and what you make out of this world where you go to school and the things that you have and the things that you're given physically are not nearly as important as the spiritual bounties that we as parents and grandparents can pass on to our children It's a legacy of love where your grandkids know that you love them by the inheritance you leave for them here in this world or the inheritance that you leave for them in eternity. You see, what we leave behind in our inheritance, that's going to be gone. It'll go up in a puff of smoke one day and nobody or somebody that you don't even know It'll belong to before it's over with. But the things you build into people's lives here and now, spiritual things, the love of Christ, the love of the Word of God, the faithfulness to His will, His way, His Word, those are the things that last forever. There's a legacy of love. There's a legacy of living. John 10.10 says this, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John chapter 8.36 says this, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And we're not talking about, listen, I'm the chaplain at a prison. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of stuff about being bound. I know what it means to be shackled. But do you know what it means to be set free from the shackles of sin? To be set free truly in this world that you might be able to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. So many people are bound by sin and they have no idea. Will they see you as one who knew how to enjoy those things that we have here in this life? Sometimes they're humorous things. 
And yet, we can cut up and have a good time and laugh and play and enjoy our fellowship with our families, but we also understand what it means to be sober-minded when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to really living a life that brings glory and honor to Him. God forbid that my kids, my wife, my family be glad that I'm gone because I was a stick in the mud, that I didn't know how to have fun, that there wasn't any laughing in my life. But my friend, I don't want that to be the main thing, the main portion of my life. Then lastly, the legacy of leaving. 2 Corinthians 5 eight says this, We are competent, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There's no greater heartache for a wife than to not know where her husband is when she has left this world. And the same is true in the vice versa. For, for a husband to lose his wife and not be sure of her destiny, Amen. not know that we know that we know, then I'm going to get to see them one, one day when it's my turn, when I leave this world. See, at the moment of death, when somebody that you love steps out of this life, and I know that this is all too real for some folks right here, right now, but it's a very learning moment. You see, we want to, we want to have that confidence we are left behind. Others have left us here. We want to have that confidence. We want to believe with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, everything that we are, that we know that they're okay, even though we can't see them. And the only way that we can know that is by knowing the life that they lived before they left. I want, when I leave, to leave my wife, children, grandchildren, church, anybody that knew me, I want you to know that I'm okay. No doubt. As a matter of fact, I'm better than okay. I am happier on the other side than I have ever been in this life. And I'm looking forward to not only being there one day, but boy, I'm looking forward to seeing you there one day. I can't wait to see the Lord. But once I'm there and I fellowship with Him for I don't know ever how long, I'm sure that I won't be able to wait to see you there one day too. Don't you wish the same thing for your family? Don't you want to leave behind a legacy, a memory, a memorial that lets everybody know that you love them, but that when you leave them, you're okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love You. We thank You for this time together here in Your house with Your people. God, we are a family. This is a church. This is a body. We are the children of, of the Most High God. But we are the bride of Christ. God, we want to spend time with our family here on earth, here in Your house, together in the church building. But God, this is just practice for the time that we're going to spend together with You in eternity. 
God, if we don't love it here, what makes us think we're going to love it there? Help us, God, not only to let our children and our families know, but God, help us to know that we know. That we know You. Lord, we'll praise You for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take a hymn book and stand and turn to page...